0: Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics on Wednesday, June 15th. We're about an hour ahead of the Fed meeting, which I know people have been, uh, I don't know if people have been looking forward to it, but certainly very well aware of the things that are happening. Uh, Fortunately, we do have silver even rallying a little bit today leading into the Fed meeting because aside from the Fed, which is widely expected to raise interest rates 75 basis points, we're really seeing some 2008-like events in the markets reverberating around the globe. A lot of news coming out today, and fortunately to dig in to all of that with me is David Stein of Kuya Silver, Uh, certainly well-versed, especially on the supply side of the market and as well as the money printing dynamics that are going on out there. So, David, it's great to have you join me today and welcome on in. A lot to cover.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Chris. And, you know, I'm, I'm an investor, too. So, uh, yeah, I can look at it from all sides like that.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's one of the things that leads a lot of people towards the silver market and getting involved in silver projects because we see what's going on. Again, looking at the chart today, we see about 21.50, up 40 cents or so in the silver price, yet here's Jerome, the Fed expected to announce the biggest rate hike in 28 years, largely expected at 75 basis points. So I'm wondering if there's an outside chance of a 100 basis point move today, which would certainly accelerate the pressure of the things that are going on. And to start with, even though the Fed is raising rates, we still have a lot of money printing going on around the globe. We have hedge funds that are now trying to George Soros, the Bank of Japan. And just to put that in context, the Bank of Japan will have bought approximately 10 trillion yen in June. To put that number in context, it's roughly equivalent to the Fed doing more than 300 billion of QE per month when adjusting for GDP. So why don't we start there, David, because it's not just the US that's printing. We have some more news that came out of the European Central Bank last night. They're getting fired up to go. And it's, it's really happening around the globe at levels that we've not seen in our lifetime.
1: Yeah, well, I think, uh, you, know, you know, governments and central banks around the world have, have a difficult decision to make. And, uh, you know, on, on one end, it's it's you know, the the money printing is causing inflation and that's very stressful for, you know, normal people. And uh, I mean, I can't remember any time in my lifetime of the, you know, hearing this much inflation talk. Um, I mean, I was maybe a little bit too young in the, in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, but, uh, but that's, that's kind of, it's, it's just un, unheard of um, you know, and everybody's talking about it. Every, everybody's affected by this inflation. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's bringing people down because there's really no end in sight. On the other hand, you know, if, if uh, they, you know, they start tightening too much too fast, it's, uh, uh, it's going to throw the, the economy into, a uh, into a recession. And, you know, I think, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, industry, including real estate that is really dependent on having low interest rates. and um, you know the change to that is could have severe consequences.
0: Yes, and we will touch on real estate before this is all said and done today because the obvious effects you would get after a decade plus of zero percent interest rates, maybe a little hike here or there. but things uh, getting difficult in the real estate market, which is really what led the Fed to begin quantitative easing 10 years ago. And we're seeing the same dynamics, lower interest rates, then try and raise them back up, um, has a predictable effect. One other note on Japan here, we see Japanese bond futures suffer biggest routes since 2013 trigger circuit breakers after Soros style bets build. I mean, we have hedge funds now piling into that And it's kind of leaving Japan in the same situation where, all right, they're keeping interest rates low. Their inflation is going up. The same problem that the Fed is going to face. Similar issue that the European Central Bank is facing because here ECB sounds the yellow alert. Uh, They had an emergency meeting where the European Central Bank to create new tool to address fragmentation risk after bond yield surge. Uh, pretty much their new tools are often similar to the old ones and they announced that plans to create a new tool to tackle the risk of eurozone fragmentation and a move designed to assuage fears of a fresh debt crisis i guess the unfortunate part david is that when they're facing a inflation or debt crisis cutting actual debt never <laughs> seems to be one of the plans that is suggested there. Uh, what, what would you say about that? Is that pretty much as silly as it sounds inherently?
1: I mean, yeah, and, and conceptually it is silly, but I, you know, again, I think these bankers are faced with really, really tough decisions, and uh, um, you know, the, these are, you know, the, the, they've already made their bed right in the last you know decade with these low interest rates, and and uh, you know whether you know, and obviously there are reasons for doing that in the first place too, but, um, but yeah, it's going to, it's going to be diff- very difficult to unwind it if, if, if it's even possible. And I guess we'll, we'll see in the next uh, few years.
0: Yeah. And I, I agree. Like you said, if it's even possible, I mean, we're seeing now the reasons why it to me seems impossible. and, Fortunately, we're not alone on this one, David, because Obama Treasury Secretary Larry Summers, he's saying the inflation is the fault of the insurrection deniers uh, on January 6th. Nothing about the Federal Reserve monetary policy, although while I may not see eye to eye on, on that part with him, interesting quote here. And that in turn feeds through for inflation, because if you can't trust the country's government, why should you trust its money? I think that's a very fair point and the governments have made it really difficult to trust anything they do, especially after what we've seen in the last couple of years here.
1: Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, um, you know, it, th- these are processes that take, you know, a, a long, long time to, to build and these trends and, uh, you know, things like, uh, you know, uh, loss of confidence in a in a in a government and in a currency. Um, these aren't things that happen overnight. Um, there can be exogenous events that you know that, that trigger something, but really, these are these are trends that I think are already in place now. And you know, as an investor, you just need to you know think about where you where you should be be positioned, and you know, assume that it's going to continue. The, that pendulum is going to continue to swing towards loss of confidence um and uh you know and and uh in you know in 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 government and in in money and uh in the government's uh you know sort of management of the money supply
0: yeah and and david like you mentioned it does force you to think a little bit think a little bit differently than perhaps we were raised i mean i was growing up 80s 90s hit wall street in 2001 and a lot of the traditional ways we thought about going about this, that was before quantitative easing. That was before a lot of these issues were becoming as prevalent as they are now in your own investing. How do you approach that? What are, what are you looking at differently today? And how are you going about handling these conditions?
1: Um, I think, I think you, uh, I think you, um, you need to, you know, set a plan to reduce, reduce debt. You know, it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be like, you know, freak out and do everything all tomorrow, but I think you want to, you want to set a plan uh, to to do that. Um, And then, you know, I, I personally, uh, you know, heavily involved in precious metals and, you know, a little bit physical and a little bit of a few, uh, of a few stocks. And then of course, hugely into my, you know, uh, company Kuya, which is, you know, which I I, uh, I founded and I'm the CEO. So, um, so I think that you know that gives us you know gives me pretty pretty good um sort of protection from from uh, from what could be happening here. And uh, you know, otherwise, uh, otherwise, you know, we we again, you got you got You know, this isn't you know, we're not we're not having this discussion for political reasons. We're thinking about it from a from an investment point of view. And you know these things are happening. How do we make money? How do we protect ourselves? How do we make sure we have a house you know, five years from now to live in? You know, those, are, those are the important things that you need to think about as an investor.
0: Yeah, I agree. And part of what I think is a shame is that a lot of the people who run for office and, and get these positions in politics that are allegedly looking out for others really the best strategy is largely ignoring or doing the opposite of what they said, because here, here was a whopper that like, I had to cover here because Janet Yellen last week was saying, we have a very strong economy. I know people are very upset and rightfully so about inflation, but there's nothing, not maybe a couple signs, there's nothing to suggest inflation if a recession is, there's nothing to suggest that a recession is in the works Aside from five dollar gas, I mean, what woman, what planet is this woman living on where they just, you know, Ben Bernanke, they wheel him out a couple of weeks ago to say, hey, the economy's rock solid because Jerome Powell says so. I mean, we're seeing it falling apart. And what what do you say to that when you hear some of these statements?
1: To me, I think that the I think the the stupidest thing is is that they're so afraid of recessions. And again, it's very political. No one wants it wants it to happen on their watch. But everyone who's studied anything about economics knows that these things happen over time, and they happen in cycles. And it's sort of it's it's you know it's like the forest fire clearing the brush, so that the forest can grow again. And it needs to happen. And uh, so I, I don't you know I don't see the point of of talking it down. Let's just let's just go through it and deal with it and move on with our lives. You know, there's ways to make money in any kind of market.
0: Well, I appreciate you mentioning that, and we'll touch on Kuyu later uh, before we wrap up, because I know one of the things you mentioned is that despite the silver price getting clobbered, you actually started the project when silver was down around 17 bucks. So putting that into action, and speaking of silver, something that I wanted to pass along to folks at home, here is the uh, silver depositories, think of SLV and the other trusts, It's interesting. There's 18 million ounces coming out of iShares and a total of 20, almost 25 million ounces coming out of the ETFs in the uh, last four weeks alone. You can see over the last year, silver has been coming out, let's call it 1605 uh, million ounces about a year ago, down to 1540. So We've seen that trend since silver squeeze. Here's the COMEX stockpile where you have silver squeeze right up about there and half of the metal is gone. Now we have to do a little guesswork on why, although, David, as you're well familiar, the numbers show that the silver market isn't a deficit. I've been talking to different mining executives saying, where is this metal coming from? Seems like some of it's coming out of the investment grade stockpile. What could you say about the supply side there and, and what you're seeing about the gap?
1: Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't think uh, there's been any growth in the supply side uh, on, on silver. Um, you know, I think uh, we'll probably look back. It'll be probably flattish to, to maybe slightly down year on year. And um, you know, of course, there there is silver mined every year, so that is new supply that comes into the market. But um, but uh, you know, uh, it's not it's not the only source of supply, and um, obviously, can be there's a bit of recycling, and then you got the you know the the ETFs if people are liquidating. Um, so I mean, I, I it does seem like a lot of the uh, silver investors have been buying more physical, and actually. You know, instead of buying, uh, maybe, maybe instead of buying the ETF, which is more of a trader kind of product, it's more of a, you know, hedge funds and traders who are making a short-term bet, they buy ETFs. But people who are long-term investors and who really, you know, believe in the silver story, they, they tend to want the physical. Um, and so as, as, uh, as physical silver leaves there, it's getting made into other silver products like coins, bars, stuff that can be, you know, that are investment grade. And, you know, I think there's been a lot of that happening in the last year.
0: Yeah. And on top of it, you see that the plans continue to go for more green, more solar panels, more electric vehicles. And I find it interesting as inflation is becoming a more mainstream concept. I don't know that there's been a rush into silver yet because it's, it's a little tricky where you do see a lot of the asset markets collapsing yet. I know a lot of people have commented on Chen, Chenny Lin's uh, presentation, I believe that was back at Rick where he was calling silver the new lithium and talking about a lot of the Chinese demand and really how any of the numbers you look at project that deficit to continue to grow. We'll see if some of these mandates get met, yet not an easy situation. And Of course, a few last economic notes related to what the Fed will be handling in about an hour. Here we see home builder sentiment drops to lowest level in two years as housing demand slows. How is the Fed, what what really drew the Fed to do quantitative easing a decade ago was the mortgage market collapsing. Then of course, in case you thought inflation was coming down, Biden sending another 1 billion of military aid. I don't know if he's a president or an arms dealer at this point. At the same time, quietly urging companies to purchase Russian fertilizer. So perhaps not a surprise that we see central banks to increase gold holdings over crisis concerns, despite what Janet Yellen is saying, and despite Ben Bernanke saying a decade ago that he doesn't understand gold. It seems like they're doing something differently with their money, which I think is what drew a lot of us into gold and silver, uh, as well as the other concerns. But any thoughts on any of that, David? (laughs)
1: Well, <laughs> there's a little, so much there. <laughs> um, look, I think um, I think the you know well since you have got Russia on there, um, let's just start there. So you know the 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 Russia Ukraine you know war crisis whatever you want to call it. Um, it's sort of a I think it's a you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a flare up on a greater global issue right now, which is the deglobalization. And, and, uh, uh, again, it's, if you think about it as a pendulum for several decades, the pendulum was swinging towards globalization where every country could work together and you could have your plant in China and not worry about it because you, you know, you make something over there and then you ship it over here and, you know, all that was all, all good. You just go where the cheapest labor is. And, um, and that's, that's the pendulums now starting to swing the other way where you need, you know, you need to have stuff locally, cause you can't trust that you'll be able to get your products from some other country. And, uh, you know, and I think the, the, the fact that central banks want to hold more gold, which, which again, that's been a trend for some time now, it's not a new thing. Um, it's something that the, you know, people don't tend to talk about, but it's been happening for, for several years already. And uh, that's a, it's another thing. People are, you know, um, yeah, we got to hold some foreign currency in our in our reserves, but you want to have some gold for the for its value as, as an independent source of money. Um, and uh, you know, I think that's, I mean, we're <laughs> that's that look that's very very good for gold. I think that that trend that's that's going that's gonna be very good for gold, and that'll pull silver along with it as well
0: yeah it certainly doesn't leave an easy environment for investors and which is not to say one should take everything they have and go gold and silver but you know when you're seeing uh, we had a report on Friday that the MBS mortgage backed securities market went no bid at least for a day similar to what we saw in 2008 and you know it's a tough environment where if you want to save money you know that you know and you're a couple decades away from retirement You know, do you buy treasuries or cash that's being printed while this is all melting down? So either case, some things for investors to think about and we'll see uh, should be active over the next hour or so. And we will look forward to that. Although, David, before we wrap up, perhaps you could provide us with a quick update on Kuya, the company you're running that you are going into production with your Bethania assets soon. Uh, You also recently had a preliminary economic assessment report out. And again, I, I think it's worth pointing out, I know people are a little less happy when silver is 21, 22 versus 28, although perhaps you could touch on how you made these projections when silver was still around $17 and at least prepared your project to be able to handle that. So anything you could touch on there?
1: Sure, yeah, going back to when we uh, first did the, the deal to acquire the Bethany Mine, um, which was in 2017. Uh, yeah, the silver price was in the sort of 16, 17 range. And I think while, while we were working on that deal, it went as low as 14. So, you know, and, and we, we felt at the time we, you know, uh, even at those prices, we had a robust project that would be profitable. Um, obviously, uh, we, you know, we expected that silver prices would go higher and they have, and, uh, that's, you know, part of the reason why we wanted to buy the mine, but, um, but you know it's uh, you got to look at the downside too, and that's uh, that's important. Um, you know when you're managing you know these types of uh, mining assets so that you want you want robust economics so that if the price is volatile that you can you know survive in those dips. So so that's that's how we started the the company. And yeah, I mean again we we much rather have the price at 28, and I'm you know I'm I'm sure we'll get back there and even much higher uh, you know, in the coming, you know, months and years, but, you know, frankly, 22 is not that bad from an economic point of view. You can see the PEA that you've got up there, you know, the numbers are very, very robust at $22 an ounce. So, um, so yeah, so that's, that's, uh, that's sort of how, how, how we think about the project at various prices. And, um, you know, this is not a call option type mine where you need higher prices to make it work. This works today. It works at lower prices, and it'll just be a cash cow at higher prices.
0: Well, I think that's certainly a good position to be in because there's the realm of what we can control and plan for. There's some things out of our control, yet I feel like you've done a good job of factoring that in and not being dependent on, uh, you know, whether silver goes up or down, at least on a given day. Hopefully, it'll stay above twelve bucks, unlike a couple of years ago. Although, even if it goes much lower, it's knocking supply offline now, as I continue to hear from many miners. So David, I appreciate you joining me for this update today. It's going to be an interesting afternoon. And uh, fortunately, I know you're going to stick around. We're going to do it offline, record a little more detail about some of the developments with Kuya, but we'll be sharing that soon. And just want to thank you for joining me again today. Hope everybody out there in the audience having a good afternoon and hopefully this is a positive part of your day at least even if the news isn't so great having some honest feedback and discussion about it and David I just thank you for joining me and uh, for what you're doing out there
1: my pleasure thank you thanks everyone